Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. Welcome back. It is our final week of April somehow, which is just, frankly, I'm gobsmacked every time kind of a month ticks away. It already puts us a third of the way through 2022, which is, you know, pretty wild. The conversation for today, you know, that was such a hard transition, but we're just going to go with it. So uh, it's April and we're having a conversation today. So there's our transition. The conversation for today is about word choice. If you're familiar with The Giver at all, so it's one of Lois Lowry's books, one of my favorite young adult novels from, you know, many, many years ago. As a side note, I was pretty upset with the movie. Wasn't a big fan of it. I feel like it modernized things that just didn't need to be modernized. But it was still an incredible plot line throughout the book. But one piece, even when I was a teenager, I remember being gripped by this particular dialogue. So Jonas is talking to his parents and he says to them, Mom and Dad, do you love me? And his parents are kind of startled by that. And his dad says, Jonas, precision of language, please. And Jonas is like, what do you mean? And his dad says, or his mom and dad are having a conversation with him that just says, that that word means nothing. That word is meaningless. Now, do you want to know, do we enjoy you? Of course we do. Do we take pride in your accomplishments? Certainly. But to say, do we love you? That doesn't make sense to us. What I want to talk about today specifically is precision in language. And precision in language matters so much, especially when we talk about mental health distress, especially when we talk about the language we use to describe ourselves, we can make things far worse than they are just by using inappropriate word choice. And so one of the ways this has played out for me, I've mentioned I have several mentors that I just reap a lot of their wisdom and I really try to apply it to my life in helpful ways so I don't have conversation for the sake of just picking their brains. Like I actually want to grow and learn and understand the world around me better. And so I was talking to one of my mentors and I was talking about, yes, I'm I'm pretty, you know, idiosyncratic. I'm I'm quite quirky. I have perfectionism tendencies that run. I have anxiety that runs. And he says to me, he says, well, it sounds to me like you're certainly overprepared for some things. And I was like, but I'm a perfectionist. I have anxiety. I'm quirky. I have idiosyncrasies. And he said, well, certainly you're overprepared at times. And certainly when other people see you show up, they notice that you're overprepared for things. And that just reframed, that precision in language was such a pivotal turning point for me because I had precise language. I could start asking myself questions. It wasn't this nebulous, I'm anxious, I'm a perfectionist. It was, well, I'm overprepared for things and do I need to be overprepared? So as I come up to different opportunities that are in front of me and I start to feel, you know, the stress of what does this mean or am I prepared? That's literally the question I ask myself. I ask, are you ready for this? Are you prepared for this? And if my answer is yes, I get to stop preparing. So I don't have to go through the tenuous, difficult path of being overprepared prepared for everything because I'm using precise language now to capture what's actually going on there. So my anxiety translated into overpreparedness. And when we talk about OCD 
and perfectionism, often they play out in the realm of possibility versus probability. So when I talk about the fact that I have OCD tendencies, my brain does this threat analysis piece where if something can go wrong, I try to anticipate it. Now that's different than if something will go wrong or if something's likely to go wrong. So again, precise word choice as it relates to mental health, I start navigating, is this a possibility or is it a probability? And if I want to be healthy, I start leaning more towards what's the probability that this worst case scenario unfolds. And so as we get through precise language, what we can do is we can start to ask ourselves questions, at least in my case with this anecdote, do I need to be this prepared? Do I need to be more prepared? But do I need to be overprepared? Do I take the time to understand the possibility of something go wrong? Or can I wrestle with what's the probability that something goes wrong? And potentially I don't have to set up camp and anxiety all that long because probability is more freeing. That's just a better place for me to spend time. So when I talk about word choice, the reason it comes up is because when my clients use words that ping to my ears as the wrong word choice, I push back against it quite often. And uh, thankfully, I had a very wise mentor really walk with me through my um, internship uh, in, in precise word choice ways. He was very emphatic about monitoring my word choice, gently pushing back, really splitting hairs at times, but it's made me acutely aware of how important word choice actually is. So I have a client who's moving throughout this last month, so in April, and at the end of last month, she was saying to me like, oh, April's going to be a dumpster fire. And I asked her to give me some understanding of what does dumpster fire mean to her. So that's the first thing I do is I ask them to reflect on what the meaning is to them because I can decide on my own meaning of dumpster fire, but it's more important that I understand what the client means by that. So she says, okay, April's going to be a dumpster fire. And then she says, we got to move and we have a wedding and we have a trip and and we have all of these things going on. And so I said to her, I said, okay, I'm hearing you say that we have three or four days that are going to be really high stress. Does that sound accurate? And she's like, oh yeah, it's going to be tough ski. We've got a lot of stuff to wrangle. We've got a lot of, you know, pivots and we have a lot of shifts that have to happen. I said, okay, so we have 30 days in April and you're letting me know four, maybe five or six of them are going to be really cumbersome. There's going to be a lot demanded of you. Yeah, it's going to be pretty intense. It's going to be a dumpster fire. I said, okay, but when you say that April's going to be a dumpster fire, you're priming your emotions in a way that you're telling me and you're telling your emotions, April's going to be a hot mess. It's it's going to be really demanding. It's going to be really challenging. Yet in your story, you're only telling me about 20% of the month is actually going to require that much extra energy from you. So I said, I want you to be careful what message you're sending your emotions because you're going to prime yourself for 30 days of volatility. And that sounds like unnecessary preparation. That sounds like over preparedness because you're in reality only going to have five or six days of high stress this month. And so, and, and she and I go back and forth on word choice all the time. And so she just said, yes, thank you for the redirection. You're right. By and large, it's going to be an okay month, but there are going to be some places where it's pretty demanding of me. Now, the reason I'm so specific about pushing back there is about a year ago, I had a similar conversation, not about moving. This was more of a big life transition that was going on. And I was talking to my friend Joe and I said, it's like I'm out on an island right now. I'm so alone right now. And he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. That doesn't make sense to me. I know for certain that you went out with so-and-so earlier this week. I know for certain on that particular weekend, he and 
and his wife and a friend and myself, we were all going out for dinner together. He said, I know that that's going on. I know that you have A, B, and C coming up on your calendar. So when you tell me that you're off on an island and you're all alone, not only is that not accurate, but what you're doing emotionally is actually very damaging. You're sending inaccurate information to your emotions and you're going to feel as though you're off on an island in spite of the fact that you're surrounded by people that love you right now. And that's actually consistently true. Many people are coming alongside of you. And if you insist that you're on an island, it's going to feel true. And so that was another space and another instance where precision of language was so important. And that's actually what helped me get to the point of launching my Instagram page. Feel free to follow along. It's West in Progress. But the reason I started Instagram, it was actually on the heels of that conversation because I started to take pictures when I was out with friends. So when emotionally I was feeling despair or feeling alone, I had picture evidence that said, Steph, that's just not true. Because my words were inaccurate at the time. So I had to put together another element of reminder that Steph, that's not accurate. That's not truthful. And so while I recalibrated my words, it was helpful to refer to Instagram intermittently to remind me that I was not on an island all by myself. Now, the second thing about word choice is degrees of intensity. As a language arts teacher, I love looking at positive and comparative and superlative and looking at how we use language creatively. But degrees are so important. If we don't monitor it well, we can actually wreak havoc on our own emotions because our emotions get cues from our thoughts and our behaviors and our experiences. So put yourself in this position. You feel wronged by a person. So put yourself in kind of that that framework right now. Think of someone who's wronged you, someone who's disappointed you, someone with whom you're frustrated. So take a minute to call that up. And then when I say this, each of these following statements, this is going to indicate degrees of intensity and see if you can relate to how different each one of these are. So you have this person that's, quote, done you wrong, and you say, I'm feeling bothered by this. Okay, so there's some, you know, there's some emotional upheaval going on. Or I say, I'm feeling frustrated by this. Ooh, that that one, I, I can feel my blood, my, is it blood pressure rising? Yes, it's not my blood rising. I can feel my blood pressure rising. Okay, now I say, I'm pissed. I'm pissed about this. Okay, now you can really feel your blood pressure rising and kind of, I can feel my, my fist clenching a little bit. Or then I say, I'm furious. I'm furious what's happened here. Well, suddenly I'm to the point of being almost outside of being able to handle the intensity of that emotion. And so much of what we feel is tied up in our words. What I would encourage you to do is listen closely to the words that come out of your mouth. You can learn so much about yourself if you're willing to tune in and hear what's running beneath the surface. One of the last places I'm going to camp out here, and this is one I push back often in sessions, when someone uses the words, so-and-so hurt me. Because to hurt, by its definition, means to inflict injury or pain on someone. So as soon as I say that someone has hurt me, they've now done something to me. And now to be fair, sometimes that is accurate, but sometimes that's not accurate at all. Sometimes we're trying to express that we're disappointed with something or that we're feeling a mismatch in our expectations. But as soon as we invite in the words, so-and-so hurt me, we've now taken whatever the situation was and we've pointed blame in a direction. And so I had a client who didn't get what she wanted for her birthday. And she said, well, that hurt me. And I said, I just don't feel that that's accurate because nobody did anything to you. They got you things. You didn't like it as much as you wanted to like it. 
but they were not malicious. They did not cause any harm to you. I do not believe it's appropriate to say they've hurt you here. Are you disappointed? Absolutely. Is that disappointment leading to you be feeling sadness? Sure it is, but they did not hurt you. So we have to watch the word choice that we use because it's going to prime our emotions. If I talk about someone's hurt me, that gives me some sort of reason to put in boundaries or barriers or distance between me and them. But if they didn't get me the right gift for my birthday, is that in fact a reason to put barriers and distance and boundaries between me and them? I don't know. You'll have to decide that. But by and large, when when we use language that's blaming or when we use language that's inaccurate or when we use language that's maybe more flippant, we can actually experience an uptick in emotional volatility just because we're not being precise. Word choice adds into the chaos that we feel. Or if we recalibrate our word choice, we can recalibrate what we are experiencing because word choice matters. How we talk to ourselves matters and how we talk about ourselves matters. How we talk to others matters and how we talk about others matters and how we talk about the world around us matters. So I encourage you, as words come out of your mouth, think through, is this the right word? Am I saying it how I want to say it? Is it the one that best fits here? Slow things down enough to ask the questions and watch over time how your emotions begin to align with the words that you choose, which means use precision and language. And over time, you will experience more emotional wellness because of it. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.